Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, everyone. Tom Salemi here. Before we get into the details of this week's podcast, I'm very, very happy to announce that uh, our first sponsor of the OIS Podcast is Johnson & Johnson Vision. And Johnson & Johnson Vision, of course, made news this week with the closing of the uh, acquisition of Abbott Medical Optics. Uh, we've been great, uh, had great partnerships with AMO and Johnson and Johnson Vision Care in the past, and look forward to working with Johnson and Johnson Vision going forward. Now let's get into the details of this week's OIS podcast. Well, this is Tom Salemi. I hope you joined us uh, for last week's uh, part one of my interview with uh, Dr. Dick Lindstrom of Minnesota Eye Consultants. Typically, we've talked with Dick before about uh, innovative technologies in ophthalmology and uh, in other issues sort of surrounding innovation. This week and last week, we talked about Minnesota Eye Consultants' new partnership with a private equity group called Wad Capital Partners. And uh, it's an interesting deal that the two join forces to create another entity uh, called United Vision that is going to be a vehicle that will acquire other ophthalmology practices in the U.S. As we talked about in the podcast and last week's OIS Weekly newsletter, uh, in which I interviewed Chris Graber of Wad Capital Partners, uh, this is a trend in uh, in healthcare, uh, in uh, in practice management. It's something uh, that we've seen before in a different form, um, but uh, it's no doubt that private equity players are coming into ophthalmology. In fact, we will have a panel discussion at the upcoming OIS at ASCRS examining this very issue. So last week we talked to Dick about how the decision to partner with Wad Capital Partners came together. This week we're going to talk uh, a bit more specifics about uh, what this, how United Vision will operate going forward, uh, how it will work with other practices, and more important or most importantly to me at least as someone who covers innovation, how this sort of consolidation will impact innovation in ophthalmology. So Dick was very generous with his time. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. And uh, at the very end, Dick will uh, will let everyone know what his sort of long-term plans are uh, with Minnesota Eye Consultants. So uh, let's get into this conversation with Dick Lindstrom of Minnesota Eye Consultants. Are you... Do the physicians remain the majority shareholders of the of the new entity, United Vision? Well, and, the, and tell us the, where United uh, where United Vision kind of fits into into yeah, all this. So the way the model works that we did, the way uh, the way the model works that we did is that an entity, a third entity, is created, which is uh, the entity that we're calling United Vision Partners, and both Wad Capital and Minnesota Eye Consultants Partners uh, own equity in United Vision Partners. And so as we add another practice, you know, which we haven't yet, but we're in discussions with uh, several, as we add another partner, they also, uh, you know, their particular uh, uh, individual partners who join us will also own equity in United Vision Partners. So so the vehicle, you know, the vehicle going forward, the owner vehicle is uh, is United Vision Partners, and uh, the expectation and and every uh, and there are several out there besides what we're doing, uh, but uh, the uh, expectation is that we will uh, over the next five years, which is kind of our target, 
that will grow value. And 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 our uh, our target uh, for United Vision Partners is to you know focus on uh, a select group of markets, probably four to six. So let's say five. So we're going to focus on five markets uh, that would be relatively similar to the Twin City metro area, uh, which would be you know a population of three to five million people. And uh, build, uh, you know, delivery models uh, as just the same way we are, where high-quality practices can join together under the umbrella of United Vision Partners, uh, and then uh, build value like any other company. And then the eventual goal uh, will be that uh, United Vision Partners will be, you know, acquired uh, by uh, another uh, private equity firm and or. Uh, the other option, of course, is uh, that United Vision Partners could do an IPO and go public. But uh, kind of the classical private equity model would be that we might anticipate um, a transaction in, let's say, five years where United Vision Partners is uh, acquired by uh, lar- another larger private equity firm who also might acquire one or two of the others that are uh, evolving around the country. As I mentioned, we're going to be focusing on just five markets, and there are many other markets that will still be uh, there for other uh, private equity firms to uh, build quality delivery systems in. And then usually the way it works is there'll be another private equity company who comes along and consolidates two or three of them. And, uh, you know, if if we build a a $500 million uh, top line revenue uh, uh, company at United Vision Partners over the next uh, five years, and and there's two or three others like that, a a larger, if you will, private equity firm could acquire mm-hmm. uh, those and have a one to $1.5 billion, uh, you know, high care delivery uh, system. Interesting. And then uh, you start to reach the kind of scale where uh, you could imagine, uh, you know, five or so years later, uh, creating a public company. Uh, and so, you know, and obviously the public company multiples on, uh, on uh, you know, earnings, you know, EB, EBITDA, which is the magic number typically when you're going to go, uh, and build value. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the multiples are much higher uh, in in this setting. So you know, in a in a private transaction between partners, we're we're typically selling our assets to one another for, let's say, one to three times EBITDA. And if you're doing a, a private equity transaction, it can be, you know, six to ten, and sometimes even a little higher if you're unique practice. And in the public marketplace, it can be you know twenty to thirty. And so. Uh, so there is an ar- opportunity for uh, the individual doctor, obviously, to increase the uh, the value of the equity that they built uh, in their practice mm-hmm. uh, in this in this system, and that's certainly one of the uh, driving forces. But the primary driving force for us was uh, accessing capital without having to have personally guaranteed bank debt uh, to allow us to uh, continue to grow, and then also you know accessing. Uh, uh, you know, really high quality, uh, bright, talented uh, business minds to also, you know, add to our team uh, to uh, to you know, basically plan uh, plan the process. And you know, we were basically believers as we look at our market that there is a consolidation occurring. And, and as I mentioned before, how do we want that consolidation to occur? Do we want to, uh, you know, sell out to a large hospital chain and be an employee or mm-hmm. United Healthcare? Who are out and around acquiring practices, or, or uh, do we want to uh, put together a model where we can retain our culture, allow our uh, partner practices to retain their culture, 
uh, still access the capital we need, still reach the scale that we think will be important to have in our marketplace to uh, be secure in the future that we will be uh, a preferred provider, if you will, of payers. And, and then uh, and then obviously give our doctors an opportunity to uh, equitize some of the, the value that we've created in the practice. And so this was the model that made the most uh, sense to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, most doctors are nervous about losing control. Uh, and uh, and uh, that is certainly an issue. And that's why I would simply say it's really critically important who you choose to partner with. Uh, but the model that we're putting together at United Vision Partners, the doctors, uh, uh, you know, do not lose uh, control. It's a decentralized model, but they will have access to uh, expertise and capital that will allow them to pursue their individual business uh, model. And in addition, having built uh, with my partners, I think, a, a great practice with a great culture at Minnesota Eye Consultants, um, we wanted to be able to retain that identity and, and uh, we wanted the uh, uh, other uh, partner practices that choose to join uh, with us to retain their identity as well. And we didn't want to uh, sort of try to cram them into our identity or adapt ourselves to someone else's identity. And uh, I really think local brands and, and local cultures uh, of high quality practices, and there are many, but high quality practices like ours, it, it's important to retain that. And, and this model uh, allows that uh, allows that to occur as well. Yeah, no. We, and you mentioned the PPMs earlier, and 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 the the, the shortcomings of that model, and those those proved uh, those were evident uh, as as time passed twenty years ago when that when that rush was going on. How is United Vision different? Will it just provide capital and sort of the means for, for growth, the, the the support for growth? Will it will it not get into practice management? You're all, you're not all going to use the same HR. You're not all going to use the same coding system. That sort of thing. You're going to keep all of those private serv- those particular services in house or or in, in in office. Yeah, that's the that is the intent. So I mean, our our group actually uh, did go through uh, the the physician practice management uh, era. We were part of Vision 21, and I was actually uh, a founder of that and was the chief medical officer. And uh, we uh, pursued, you know, three markets. We were in Phoenix, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and then Tampa, St. Petersburg. And actually, we did extremely well in the Twin Cities uh, with the PPMC model, but it was uh, more of a struggle in the other two markets. But the, one of the major errors of uh, of that model was that uh, there was a centralization of of of, of the uh, of the management, if you will. Uh, and, uh, you know, it turned out that, you know, every individual market is unique and usually those of us practicing in those markets know them better. And there's no need for a lot of, uh, you know, bricks and mortar and uh, HR people and, and all the like uh, in, in a central location to be managing that. So the, the current model that uh, we're at least pursuing at United Vision Partners is a very decentralized model. Those things will be retained at the individual practice level. Uh, but we, we probably, as we grow, we probably, as we grow, we probably will be able to find some areas where there will be, you know, economies of scale. And so, you know, maybe uh, in the acquisition of equipment or products, we'll uh, be able to negotiate some better pricing. Uh, maybe uh, we will, uh, uh, you know, evolve over time uh, as we all uh, progress into, uh, you know, some some shared uh, management uh, uh, methods, but uh, right now, you know, in, in this early stage, the concept is to 
allow each practice to retain uh, how they do things, to have their own. Uh, we still have the president and CFO that we had before and will have going forward. Uh, and we still have our uh, 10 partners meeting every month, sitting around the table making uh, decisions as to how we want to grow Minnesota Eye Consultants. Um, and that has uh, not changed. But we do have a really bright and talented group of partners uh, who have access to capital, who uh, are you know, building and bringing us value you know, as far as their business acumen. I'd like to take a quick break from this conversation just to remind you to register for OIS at ASCRS. It's coming up. It's not too far away, May 4th. So go to OIS.net to register. Uh, As I mentioned in past podcasts, our breakfast breakout sessions are happening again, and they are filling up. Uh, A few of them are already sold out, so you do want to to register as soon as possible if you have an interest in uh, in some of those topics. So go to OIS.net and register for OIS at ASCRS. It's happening on May 4th in Los Angeles. Now let's get back to this conversation. You mentioned the, the, I want to get into the consolidation going on within ophthalmology. And and one of the things I always liked about the specialty is the fact that there are so many smaller private practices. So it's interesting that things are moving in a, in a a consolidating direction. What, what is driving that consolidation? Is it the availability of, 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 of people or firms like Wad Capital willing to invest or is there a desire uh, that's creating a demand for these private equity folks to come in. What is what is really driving the consolidation in this specialty? Well, the consolidation, you know, was occurring before any uh, private equity company became interested uh, in participating in it, if you will. Uh, and the, there are multiple reasons for it, but it's just becoming extremely complex in the modern world to... Uh, you know, manage a uh, ophthalmology practice for one thing, you know, with all of the uh, regulations that we're having to deal with, it requires relatively sophisticated management uh, to really uh, do that. And and a lot of solo doctors, you know, provide that management themselves. And it's certainly possible for a really talented individual ophthalmologist to do that, but uh, they have to work an awful lot of hours and spend an awful lot of time, uh, you know, after they're done in the clinic you know, to really uh, manage that well. And it's uh, a lot of uh, individual practitioners are just burning out on it. It's just, uh, you know, very, very challenging. Uh, And, you know, as you put like a practice like ours, 25 doctors together, you can hire very high quality professional management. Uh, You know, we have a a really talented president, a really talented CFO. uh, And while we still are driving the boat as, uh, as doctors, we can, you know, rely on these quality uh, business people to take some of the uh, load off and allow us to uh, practice medicine and do our teaching and research, which is sort of our culture. So I think that that's one of the one of the the challenges that uh, are there uh, is just getting you know harder and harder to to manage uh, you know this uh, difficult regulatory environment. That's number one. Number two, um, there are uh, you know as as the insurance side consolidates. And in every market, again, it's unique, but uh, many times they're looking for one-stop shopping where they just want to negotiate with uh, one group uh, or a couple of groups to provide the care for those patients that they're responsible for. Uh, and it's easy for you know an individual solo ophthalmologist just to be left out uh, of the provider panel. So you know if, if your 
you know, 50 doctors in the Twin City uh, metro area group, pretty hard with offices all over town, and you're already taking care of, a, you know, a large proportion of the population. It's pretty hard for the payers to not include you in the panel. Uh, but it's pretty easy for them to not include, for example, a single solo ophthalmologist. So it's a little bit uh, risky, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as the marketplace consolidates, which is happening really at every level, uh, whether it's the facility level or the insurer level or the provider level. Uh, you know, there there is some strength in numbers uh, as far as making sure you'll be part of the delivery system. So, so I think that's also a, a, a meaningful issue. And uh, there are economies of scale. Uh, and then finally, ophthalmology is really expensive. So, you know, if you're a solo ophthalmologist, then uh, you're going to build an ambulatory surgery center and you're going to buy an eczema laser and you're going to buy a femtosecond laser and you're going to have the highest quality uh, equipment in your office. Um, and it's prohibitive. I mean, uh, you know, ba- banks aren't looking at doctors the way they once did where we're uh, assured of success. Mm-hmm. And so you have this huge uh, capital outlay. Uh, you have to mortgage your future, if you will, and personally guarantee significant debt to really uh, provide the quality of care that you would like. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that uh, infrastructure, if you will, with uh, all the uh, equipment that we utilize in ophthalmology is sitting idle. Uh, significant amount of the time uh, if, if you're there alone or with one other partner and someone's on vacation or whatever uh, you know with a, a larger group you can uh, you know put that uh, infrastructure to work more if you will in a more efficient fashion so I just all these things are are, are occurring and uh, it's just as you know it's the nature of the business world if you take a look you know when I when I started uh, in ophthalmology, there were you know, well over 20 companies, you know, making intraocular lenses. And as we now are, know, we're down to a core of three or four. And uh, when when I started, there were you know, uh, 50 or 60 independent hospitals in the in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And now there's basically uh, three or four uh, mm-hmm. you know groups that have acquired uh, these hospitals. Really, for all the same reasons, if you will, is that. Uh, uh, you know, it does allow, uh, you know, reduced cost per unit of care as we go forward to, uh, put more people through the system, if you will, uh, that you have. And so consolidation is something that happens in every field and it's, it's now happening in ophthalmology. So the, you know, the, the solo ophthalmologist out there is still doing well in many marketplaces, but I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, some of the mega forces, at least as I look at them, are putting that uh, individual doctor uh, somewhat at risk and certainly challenging them uh, to, uh, you know, really be able to perform at the highest level. It seems in, in other specialties, and I'll just a couple more questions, where where this sort of consolidation has happened, particularly as, hosp- as physicians became employees of hospitals, it has... Uh, Restricted the, the, the innovation uh, that those physicians are able to do or, or be involved with, at least. How do you see this playing out for ophthalmology going forward? This is uh, OIS, the, the Innovation Summit. Is Will this consolidation, you think, impede innovation? Will, will, will uh, restrict physicians from becoming involved with, with companies? Uh, in, in When I say this consolidation, not yours specifically, but the trend going forward. And is that something you you sort of have in your mind going forward? Because I know you're a big proponent of, of innovation. You wouldn't want to see that yeah. lessened at all. 
Well, you know, as I mentioned, we we looked at the various consolidators, and and uh, all of them are you know doing some very positive things. But you know, if you go, you know, if you were to be uh, a, an employee physician of a large uh, hospital chain, uh, then uh, you definitely, uh, you know, number one, there's no opportunity to be equity integrated on a go forward basis. And, you know, I'm a bit of a capitalist, so I like the idea of being uh, equity integrated and having the opportunity to grow value with, uh, with, uh, you know, my physical and mental work. So, mm-hmm. so once you're into the big hospital system, or if you're working for a consolidator like Kaiser or someone like that, they, they're providing high quality care, but there certainly is some reduction in independence for the, for the doctor. Uh, I think they still can do research and do do research, but um, maybe they need a little bit more approval to do it. Uh, so, uh, but uh, their ability to collaborate with industry would be, depending on the system, somewhat uh, restricted, and uh, at least approval would be required. So we were, you know, we were basically looking at, you know, how do we achieve these economies of scale, access to capital access to the highest level of business expertise and still, uh, you know, maintain, uh, the highest level of independence, uh, and that we can, and, uh, and also, uh, you know, allow us to continue to pursue, uh, all of these things that are important to us in Minnesota Eye Consultants. So our, our doctors are still going to be totally free and open to work, uh, uh with industry. Uh, our doctors are going to be totally free and open to, uh, pursue uh, translational research, you know, trying to bring new ideas from the research bench to the clinic. Uh, and and we basically, uh, I guess, demanded, if you will, of our partner that that be part of the culture of, uh, of United Vision Partners. But uh, uh, in the partner that we chose, we actually found a partner that was a strong advocate of that and felt that actually that was a, a strength mm-hmm. uh, and not a conflict. Uh, and that that's one of the things that you know, makes our practice great. And, and that that's one of the things that, you know, we believe can make a practice great is that they are uh, access technology early. They play a role in uh, developing that technology and they play a role in uh, teaching their colleagues how to use it. Uh, so we see that as a plus. So the, the culture of United Vision Partners will be to look for practices that uh, you know, embrace that culture as being welcome. Uh, it won't be that you have to, uh, have that as part of your culture, but it will be welcome uh, in our system. Uh, but there'll be other systems where it won't be. And so, you know, as each uh, individual doctor faces uh, uh, the daunting future, if we will, and the challenges that we have, I think they all need to, you know, evaluate the various options. Uh, and uh, from my perspective, we're we're quite pleased that we, you know, we had this uh, uh, partner with private equity option available because. Uh, 10 years ago, it didn't exist. And, uh, and so it is just another opportunity, another option now for, for the uh, private practice to look at that as a, uh, as a way, if you will, to survive and thrive in, uh, in the challenging future that we all face. And just the final question, and, and you've sort of answered this throughout, but I wanted to ask you directly, your role going forward with United Vision, we're, we're still going to see you at OES, you're, you're still yep. the leader of the pack so, there, so... Or a leader of the pack. So our, I, I told you that our uh, business plan at United Vision Partners is to 
let's say to round it out, build a, a five market, you know, $500 million uh, top line revenue uh, uh, partnership with uh, other practices that would be, you know, somewhat similar to Minnesota eye consultants. They don't need to have the scale, but uh, that are interested in integrated eye care delivery that are, uh, um, you know, high tech, high touch, if you will, uh, and uh, work uh, collegially with uh, uh, with ophthalmology and optometry. So that's kind of the, the overall model. And uh, what I have committed to do is to uh, serve on the United uh, Vision Partners Board of Directors and continue to serve on the Minnesota Eye Consultants Board of Directors, continue to practice ophthalmology uh, for, uh, you know, for another six years. And so, so basically that will take us, in my opinion, and, and that it might be seven, it might be five, but the, the goal is that I'm going to stay fully engaged through, uh, if you will, the next transaction, uh, which would be uh, the first exit for United Vision Partners. And no one knows what that will be, but probably it would be an exit to another private equity company. And then kind of like I've done my whole life, I kind of do, uh, I'm a planner. So I, I, I've done my whole life in five-year plans. Uh, and so I basically re-upped for another five-year plan. <laughs> uh, and in that five-year plan, I'm going to continue to practice and consult and interact with industry and, and innovate. Uh, and, uh, uh, and meanwhile, I try to uh, evolve this innovative uh, partnership uh, model, uh, uh, private equity and private practice of ophthalmology in a positive fashion. So it ends up being a win-win. And I, I would just say, I guess my goal my goal five years from now will be for every one of my partners, including the youngest, who is 34, uh, to say, this was great. I'm glad we did it. It was fantastic. So that's what I want my partners to say uh, at Minnesota Eye Consultants. I want every other practice that we bring in to United Vision Partners to say the same, that, you know, we're glad we did this. Uh, thank you very much for offering the opportunity. Been fantastic. And then, quite frankly, I want my partners at Wad Capital Partners to say, this is great. You know, we, we've done uh, private equity partnerships in emergency medicine and behavioral health and physical therapy, but uh, this partnership that we've done uh, with uh, you in, uh, in ophthalmology, United Vision Partners, uh, uh, the best of the best we've ever done. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're so pleased that we got involved in ophthalmology. So, and I think that will be, if you will, a win-win-win. I want, I want we doctors to win. I want our partners uh, to win. And, uh, and you know, rather than just building Minnesota Eye Consultants, I'm also going to be helping to build uh, United Vision Partners, will be, which will be a whole bunch more uh, uh, doctor friends, if you will, around the country that will be uh, uh, working with side-by-side -side to build value. Great. Well, it's a, it's a win for us as well because we'll we'll cover this story and and look forward to uh, to tracking your progress and having you back on the podcast. Thanks for taking some time today to uh, perfect to tell yep. us about the deal. I enjoyed it. Thanks again for a quality interview. And that is a wrap, Dick Lindstrom. Thank you so much for joining us on this OIS podcast and the last week's OIS podcast. It was great to uh, to have that much time with you and to really uh, present your uh, the complete picture for United Vision. Best of luck with that. We look forward to hearing more about it at OIS at ASCRS uh, May 4th in LA and also on future podcasts. Once again, thank you, Johnson & Johnson Vision, for sponsoring this podcast. We look forward to working with you uh, closely in the future. And, of course, thank you, OIS podcast listeners. 
do us a few favors. Give us a ranking on iTunes. That will help other people find the podcast. Let others know about the podcast. If you have friends and colleagues who love innovation and ophthalmology as much as you do, uh, share the uh, share the secret about the OAS podcast. The more listeners, the better for everyone. Finally, if you'd like to reach me directly, uh, email me at tom at healthogy.com. That's tom at healthogy, which is spelled the word health, followed by letters egy.com. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, topic ideas, interview subject ideas, anything uh, you'd like to share. I did get a lot of emails last week regarding our OIS Monthly, which went out. And uh, if you want to make sure you're receiving that, please uh, shoot me an email and I'll make sure you are on that mailing list as well. So thanks again, OIS Podcast listeners, for joining us. Don't forget to register for OIS at ASCRS. It's happening on May 4th in Los Angeles. Go to OIS.net to register and we will see you in L.A.